Well, good morning, everybody. So glad you are here. Uh, my name is Brad. I'm the pastoral intern. I want to give a, a warm welcome to all of you. Also, ask if you could, as we do every week, to check in for us, please. We got that information behind me. We would just love to know that you're here. We'd love to know if you have any prayer requests or, or how we can support you and be behind you. Uh, it's just as easy as uh, uh, typing in check, check, yes, check. Check to the church number or filling out that slip in the pew right in front of you. Uh, while you are doing that, I actually want to bring up our monthly calendar that sits out in the foyer right by the ping pong balls. Uh, never miss a beat with these. We have a lot going on in the summer, a whole lot, a whole lot of activities. We're going here, we're going there, we're doing this, we're doing that. A big one to point out is VBS. I'm not going to bring it up, but it is coming up. Uh, just a bunch of stuff going on. So please grab one of these, magnet it to your fridge, never forget what's going on ever. All right, speaking of never forget what's going on, we have a special activity going on today at 4.30. It is our family, family comedy, an indoor picnic. This is going to be hilarious. I'm really looking forward to this. This is my first time that... I'm going to be watching this guy, and um, I, I could describe it, but actually, but I think we actually have a video, so let's watch that. I've been working on uh, stuff that's not made for juggling, like tennis rackets. Now, here's a tip. If you're going to try this yourself, work on flipping them without smacking yourself in the face. <laughs> not a problem with that. Here you have the single flip. Double flip. <laughs> Triple flip. Now, I've been, I've been working for years, years to be able to catch the handle every time. Quadruple flip, really tough. <laughs> oh, great, you're not impressed. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> I was thinking all that worked for nothing. You can do tricks with the rackets. Here it is, juggling off the chin. <laughs> off the shoulder. Off the floor. <laughs> Sorry, I dropped it on purpose. I call it the pickup without stopping. <laughs> Somebody picked it up, please. <laughs> sir, can you get the racket? Go ahead, sir. Thanks a lot. Appreciate that. Can you throw it to me when I tell you? Oh, gosh. concludes our audience participation. Here's a tough one. Under the leg. Do the other one. All right, here it is. Whoa. You like that? Other leg. Under both legs. Appreciate that vote of confidence. Thank you for... There you go, under both legs. Briefly. <laughs> yeah! I got it, sir. Please keep your seat. This is an awesome opportunity for fellowship, and I am not going to lie. After I watch this, I'm going to go home and buy three tennis rackets, and then I'm going to return three tennis rackets a few weeks from now. So I'll, I'll keep you guys posted. Um, but this is great fellowship. 
4.30, and then after that, we're going to head over to the, the FLC for dinner. It's going to be pulled pork. I'm really looking forward to it. And the best news of all of it, it is totally free. Yes, free dinner is my favorite. So please bring a friend. Come be a part of this. All right, let me, let me continue us in worship with prayer, and we will keep it rolling. God, thank you so much for your love. God, thank you so much for opportunities that we just get to come together and laugh and share in joy. Lord, I pray for this worship, God, that we, we celebrate your greatness together, God, that we sing your praises, that we come together as your body believers. God, um, send us on mission. Send us with a purpose. Amen. church would you stand with us as we lift our voices and we sing hallelujah for the cross this morning let's sing together i would be hopeless without your goodness i would be desperate without your love slave to the darkness if it wasn't for the cross you have won me with your kindness you chased me down when I was lost amen
just sung quite a sermon. I, I, there, there is not enough time for me to put everything together that you just were a part of. But you sang a praise to God and a thanksgiving to him for the cross. And then you sang a picture of God delivering his chosen people out of the nation of Egypt through the sea, 
making a way through the wilderness, that God stepped into our Egypt and led us to the promised land, that, that we thank him for the work that he did in our lives to deliver us from the captivity that we lived in under the captivity of sin and the world and our flesh and our own way of living. And he led us to a place of freedom because of the cross. It should be no surprise to you that in the exodus from Egypt, God instituted a feast called the Passover. And thousands of years later, Jesus would gather in an upper room sharing a meal with his disciples, the Passover meal, that he would shift and it would no longer be about an exodus and a freedom from the captivity of Egypt but it would now be about an exodus and a deliverance from the freedom from our sin. Wow. The picture of the Bible is so immense. And when we read those stories in the Old Testament, it is not just for them. It is really setting a stage for a picture of what is going to continue to be proclaimed as we meet Jesus in the New Testament. And so today, as you partake of the Lord's Supper, I want you to see and understand that you are taking part in a meal, a memorial, a remembrance meal that is, was implemented and instituted at the exodus from Egypt changed and shifted by Jesus in the upper room and that we have an opportunity to celebrate today. Wow. There's so much to be said. So I just want, I, I want you to just take of this meal and I want you to remember that Jesus implemented and started and communicated something that was different than anybody had ever heard before. And I want you to recognize that there's a message for you in this. Because Jesus didn't just die on the cross. He died on the cross for you. To give you freedom. To deliver you from captivity. To forgive you of your sins. And so as we receive this meal, let it be a remembrance and a reminder to us of who Christ is. And all that he has done in our lives. I share with, every time we come to this, I share two things. There's two things I want to share today. Number one, you do not have to be a member of Stetson Baptist Church to partake of the Lord's Supper. We just ask that you be a believer in Jesus. If you've never given your life to Jesus, let this be an encouragement to do that. But you don't have to be a member here. Second, a little housekeeping. When these plates are passed, there are two cups in every slot. One will contain the juice and one will contain the bread. Make sure you grab both. If you're watching from home, we would welcome you right now to go and find something to drink and something to eat. We would love if you were prepared like this, but we know that you may not be, but we would love for you to participate with us. So you're welcome to just find something to eat, find something to drink so that you can share communion. Because the important thing is the meaning of this moment, not the 
things that we eat or drink. Today, we're going to have the privilege of being able to celebrate the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and remember all that he's done for us. So if our servers would come forward, we'll have a word of prayer and then we'll share communion together. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for caring for us. Thank you for leading us. Thank you, God, for the privilege of this moment. Continue to speak to us. Continue to show us your grace. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the sacrifice that he made on the cross. And thank you for the privilege of knowing him and remembering him. God, we love you. And we thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.
the joy of my salvation shall be my final breath amen when of Jesus. Because of Jesus, we can stand before the Lord complete and whole and righteous, not of any merit of our own, but because of the merit of Christ. We are imparted holiness and righteousness. We stand before God complete because of the sacrifice of our Savior, Jesus Christ. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks for it and he gave it to his disciples. He broke it and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. In the same way, Jesus took the cup and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, this is my blood. It's the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful. We are grateful for all that you are and all that you have done. We're grateful for the privilege of being able to be a part of your family. We're grateful for the way that you love us. We're grateful for Jesus. We're grateful for your deliverance in the midst of our humanity. You give us righteousness, holiness. You grant to us the privilege of being adopted. And so, Father, we're grateful. Thank you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the tomb. 
Thank you for the resurrection. Let us live in light of the sacrifice of Jesus every day. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. I'm so glad that you are here today and just so grateful for what uh, the Lord has already shared with us as we've had this wonderful time uh, of worship. Let me just say a couple of things before we get started this morning. You can go ahead and turn with me to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. We're going to continue to walk through uh, the book of Galatians today. And so uh, before I get there, though, I just want to share with you, some, most of you have already gotten uh, an email this week uh, with a video from Pastor Justin and I uh, announcing Pastor Justin's transition from Stetson Baptist over to uh, Bell Shoals Baptist Church in Brandon, Florida. Uh, we are very sad to see Justin go, yet at the same time, we know that God has a plan. God has uh, everything in store. And so we just try him uh, along the way. Uh, I will tell you that um, with, uh, with Andrew's uh, transition and with Justin's transition, there are going to be some things that we're going to need your help on. And so I'm just going to ask for your prayers. I'm going to ask for your attention. I'm going to ask for your willingness. And honestly, I'm going to ask for your bodies. Okay, uh, because we need some people. Uh, we need some people to uh, to come and be a part of uh, of these ministries. There are going to be some places where we need some new volunteers, and so we'll be sharing that with you. Uh, but I just ask for you to be in prayer for our staff and for our pastors and uh, volunteers, key volunteers that are already engaged in those ministries, the search committees that will be a part of uh, of searching for the people that will uh, fill those positions. There's a lot of things going on, and so uh, so I just ask for your prayers in the midst of all of that. A couple of weeks from now, July the 16th, we'll have an opportunity uh, on Sunday evening for you to, uh, to thank Justin and his family uh, for their five years of ministry here. Just so, ble- so blessed uh, by that. And, uh, and so we'll, we'll be giving you more information about that as it gets closer. Uh, but we're certainly sad to see Justin go, but we know that God is going to use him uh, as he continues to, uh, to, to follow God's calling in ministry. By the way, if you did not get that email from us, you're probably not on our mailing list. And so you can, uh, you can come up to me afterwards. I can give you the information about how to, how to get on our mailing list um, if you would like to uh, kind of have key information. And then the last thing I'll share before we jump in is uh, just a reiteration of what Brad shared with you earlier. We're going to have a lot of fun this afternoon at 4.30, and I hope that you will come. One of the things that happens at being a part of this church is we have three services, 8.30, 9.45, and 11. And I'll tell you, some of you are here at 9.45, and you have friends that go to this church that you haven't seen in a long time because they don't go to this service. And so I just want to encourage you to come together. One, one of the difficult things when we have three services is we need opportunities to come together as a whole church. And so that's going to be this afternoon at 4.30. We also know that it's a long summer. There's a lot going on. And so I just want to encourage you uh, in being a part of, uh, of, of just coming together and having some fun. We come together to worship. We come together to meet. We come together for committee meetings. We come together for a lot of things. We very rarely come together just to laugh and to gather together in fellowship. We're going to do that tonight, okay? So 4.30 this afternoon, I hope you'll come back. It's completely free. Um, we've got people from the community that are reaching out, asking us when everything is going to happen. So uh, I'm expecting a good crowd, and I hope that you'll be a part of that. We're going to dig in today in, uh, in Galatians chapter 4. I will tell you, there is a difficulty in preaching through a book of the Bible that was written as a letter. 
You know, when you read a letter from somebody, you don't read like a paragraph and then put it down and then walk away for a week and then come back and read another paragraph, do you? No, you read the whole letter like in one sitting because you want to know the whole line of thinking. That's one of the difficulties with preaching through Galatians because we're taking it in bite-sized chunks, but it was initially intended to just be a letter to the church at Galatia. And so it's important that we see this in context and there are different messages that might lead in different directions. My goal is to try to get, a, get our brains to wrap around the message of the letter to Galatian churches as a whole. But it's difficult because we're breaking it up into sections. So today is one of those moments because last week we talked about the fact that the blessing of Abraham belongs to us because we are actually uh, fulfilling the law by our faith in Christ. And he ends this way. He says, and if you are Christ's, in other words, if you belong to Jesus, if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring. Heirs according to promise. Now, the reason I say this is one of those moments is because he says that, and then in the very next verse, he begins to explain it. So he makes this huge statement at the end of chapter three, and then in the beginning of chapter four, he kind of starts to talk about it a little bit. So I wanted to be sure that we set that as the stage. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Next sentence. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. Let me explain. Paul here is saying that as believers in Jesus, we belong to Christ, which means we have the blessing of Abraham. We are his offspring, and we are heirs according to the promise that was made to Abraham. But just because we're an heir doesn't mean that we have full rights of using our inheritance. This is a real thing. There are people that might inherit something from their forefathers, from their parents, from their grandparents. Maybe some of you have had the experience where, where maybe there, there was a naming in a will of maybe one of your children or one of your grandchildren. And while they inherit this sum of an inheritance, maybe it's a sum of money or it's possessions or something, There's a difficulty in that they can't fully realize the value or the use of that inheritance until they're old enough. To put it bluntly, you don't want a six-year-old inheriting a million dollars. That would not be a good idea. I mean, it'd be great for the six-year-old. You know, we'd have Legos and Legos and Legos and Legos and Legos, right? But no, the intent of of an inheritance is intended to be given in such a way that it can be managed well and it can be uh, handled well, that it can be used for, for good, not just to buy Lego sets, right? So if a six-year-old 
inherit something of great value, you're probably going to put that inheritance under a guardian or under the word we like to use today. And I'm, I'm not a financial planner, so I might not be using the exact term right. Some of you can come up later and tell me. But it's kind of under a trustee. There's somebody that is managing that and saying, this is yours, but I'm managing it. You don't get to just spend it any way you want to. There's a control over it. Paul is saying that that's true here. That we were actually underage when we received the inheritance from Christ. And the way we were underage is because, he says, you were under the elementary principles of the world. Now you may be asking, what are the elementary principles of the world? That's a really great, great question. The, uh, the, the language there is such that commentators and scholars for centuries have asked, What were these elementary principles of the world that Paul was talking about? I don't know that I'm going to be able to answer that question for you, but I can give you a couple of thoughts. First of all, Plato actually used the same Greek word to describe the ABCs, the alphabet. He said, these are the elementary things. These are the basic things. These are the things that should guide our life. If you're going to know how to spell, you're going to need to know the ABCs, right? You're going to need to know the alphabet. And so uh, Plato would say that. And so what are the basics of living under God? Well, if we were to go back to the time where Paul is referencing, we would say that the basics of living under God was the law. If you wanted to even dig further into it, it would be ten laws. You remember those? They were the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me, no, no idols. You need to, need to make sure you don't take the Lord's name in vain. Don't, uh, don't, don't uh, you know, honor the Sabbath and, and keep it holy. Uh, obey your mother and your father. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't kill. Don't covet. I mean, these were the basic principles of the law. And, and Paul is saying that when we received the inheritance from Christ, when we received the inheritance of God's blessing, we were not of age because we thought that the only way that we could actually live out the inheritance was by following all of those rules. So we did our best. They were kind of like our guardian. We were too, we were too immature to really understand what God had done for us. And so we lived under a guardian or a trustee. And the guardian, the trustee was Rules, the law, the, be justified by doing everything right. He says, but, next verse, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you were sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if you're a son, 
then you are an heir through God. Paul would say that that we received the blessing of Abraham imparted to us by God, and yet we were not old enough, not mature enough, not understanding enough to live up to it or to really hold it. And so therefore, the way that we lived under the blessing of Abraham was we followed the law. We made sure that we were always doing the right thing. But in the midst of that, God sent Jesus. You see, when Jesus was born, he gave us the privilege of having an opportunity to grow up and to suddenly come of age. Our lives were no longer under the law, but now they were under Christ and under Christ alone. We were no longer about doing everything right. It was about believing right. We were now no longer about about recognizing that we were under a guardian. The guardian now is Christ of whom we give our lives to. And he says, we're no longer slaves under age inheritors. Instead, we are adopted as sons. Now, I just want to take a quick aside here. And for all the ladies in the room, I want to say that this is one of those moments and there, there, sometimes we get to moments like this and we say, sons and daughters, this is not one of those times. And let me tell you why. The beauty of Paul describing the fact that we are all adopted as sons is actually a profound cultural statement. Because in this moment, he is declaring over everyone, male and female, that we are all adopted as sons. Why is that important? Because Only sons in biblical times could actually adopt, could actually inherit something. Daughters were never named in the will. Only sons were named in the will. Now, we could debate whether that was right or wrong. As a matter of fact, we wouldn't debate. We would say that it was absolutely wrong. But in this moment, the fact that Paul is declaring over everyone, male and female, that we are adopted as sons means no matter if you are male or female, you have the inheritance of Christ. You have been adopted into the family. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Isn't it wonderful to know that Paul declares over us and it says that God sent his son so that we could be brought of age so that we could understand what Christ has done for us so that we could live as sons. We were, God sent his son, but then God also sent, because we're sons, God sent his spirit to live in our heart, which we cry out. He says, we cry out, Abba, Father, Abba is an Aramaic term. It is a very tender uh, term for a father. It would be like us crawling up into the lap of God and crying out to him, you are my daddy. I love you. You're my papa. You are tender to me. Our relationship is close and I can feel your love for me and your tenderness toward me. Yeah, some of you may be in this room, you may kind of say, well, that whole idea of God being our father, I'm not really, I'm not really comfortable with that because I've got an earthly father that really, really disappointed me. And I'll tell you, I, I'm so sorry for that. And I hope that you will hear this. 
that our heavenly father will never disappoint you like your earthly father did. He will always be there and he will treat you with tenderness and care and concern. And he will love you even in the midst of the difficult moments of your life. We are adopted into his family. We are beloved, precious, cherished, chosen, adopted children of God. So with that said, I, I want to just ask you a couple of questions that I think can help us to apply this today. The first is this. When we think about our identity, who does the world want you to be? You see, I, I believe that the world is doing their best to try to declare over us over me, over you, over our kids and our youth, over our children. The world is doing its best to try to declare who we are. And it, it, the world says things like this. You're enslaved because you're not realizing the freedom that you have in Christ. And you're destitute, not realizing your inherent value. You're confused, not realizing your character. You're defeated, not realizing your victory. You're sinful, not realizing your holiness. You're impoverished, not realizing your inheritance. What and who does the world want you to be? I'll promise you this. If you don't know who you are, there's always somebody ready to give you an answer. And so that brings me to the second question. Who does the world want you to be? Who are you really? Who are you? Who are you? What is your identity? I, I, I want to I challenge you that we actually discover who we are not by listening to everybody out there but by listening to the one who's in here by listening to the one who if you've given your life to Jesus listening to the one who's in here who are you well you're free you know why you're free because he says that you are who are you you're valued you are of infinite value. Why? Because he says you are. Who are you? You are of noble character. How do I know that? Because he says that I am. You're victorious. Why? You should be catching on by now. Because he says you are. You're holy because he says you are. You are a beloved, precious, cherished, chosen, adopted child of God. Why? Because he says you are. Who you are is not defined by how you feel. Who you are is not defined by what the world says about you. Who you are is defined only by God. So listen to him. Let me bring it around. This week, we're going to celebrate July the 4th, Independence Day. 
Does anybody here know what the, the actual July the 4th, what is the, what is the recognition of July the 4th? What is that? It is the, okay, good. It's the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Just by show of hands, how many of you have ever read all the way through in one sitting the Declaration of Independence? Okay, like 10 of you. Let me challenge you this week. Sometime this week, it will take you about 10 minutes. It will not take you a long time. It is, it is a travesty that we are celebrating something we have never read. Okay? So I want to challenge you to read part or all of the Declaration of Independence. Because you, you need to know what you're celebrating. When the Declaration of Independence was written, it was a declaration of independence, not just for the country, but specifically, it was a declaration of independence from the government of the King of England. To say, we don't want you to be our king any longer. And, and specifically, that in the course of human events, there comes a time, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, da-da-da-da-da, John Hancock, Right? Right? I mean, that's, that's the Declaration of Independence. Um, there's a statement in the Declaration of Independence that I just want you to hear. This is what it says. This is not the part that you memorized if you ever memorized part of it, but this is it. It says that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, these ends are the right of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of the ends of the right of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it, the government, and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them, the ones who reorganize it, shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Dan, why in the world are you quoting the Declaration of Independence? I'll say it this way. We have an opportunity in our lives because of Christ to believe and to understand and to receive the Declaration of the Father. Friends, we have a king of the world that wants to make us nothing, that wants to destroy our lives, that wants to steal our joy, that wants to take away everything that is good. And it is past time that we declare independence from him. It is past time that we declare independence from the claims of the world on us. And that we declare dependence on a new king, the eternal king, the one that sits on the throne of heaven. We have an opportunity to live our lives under the king, Jesus, and to believe in him and to trust in him. Do not believe what the world tells you about you because the world doesn't know you, but Jesus does. And he has declared you righteous. And he has declared you whole. And he has declared you good. And he has declared you holy. And he has declared you worthy. So receive the declaration of the Father. You are no 
longer slaves. You are the very children of God. Receive the inheritance that belongs to the children of God. It is ours. So let's not just deny that. But let's actually live it out. We are adopted into the family of God. We are his children. No longer slaves under a guardian or a trustee. But free to live the life of holiness that he has granted to us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for the reality of your word. Thank you for the way that you teach us. God, I pray that in these next few moments that you would continue to work in our hearts. Just want to give you an opportunity to respond today. I'd love to pray with you. If today you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, I can't think of any better thing to do a couple of days before Independence Day than for us to realize the independence that we have from sin, the independence that we have from the world. So if you've never given your life to Jesus, I'd love to lead you in a simple prayer of receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. If you'd like to pray that prayer, or if you'd just like to know more about what it means to give your life to Jesus, would you be so bold as to just raise your hand? I just want to pray with you. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. But if you'd like to give your life to Jesus today, right here, right now, would you just simply signify by raising your hand? I want to give my life to Jesus today. I'll give you just a moment. Father, we thank you for salvation. We thank you for living with you in relationship. We thank you for sending Jesus so that we can know him, so that we can follow him. And God, I pray that we would live out our lives in a clear picture of the inheritance that we have in Christ. Help us to see your work. Help us to see your purpose. and Help us to live up to the standards of being called your children. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's sing this song declaring our inheritance in Christ.
Your blood. 